Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So last week we talked about the God of creation, and we really focused on the amazingness of God in that context based on Acts 17, verse 24. So if we go to Acts Chapter 17, starting at verse 24, and we'll go to verse 25 today. Acts 17, verse 24 and 25 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Okay. So that's where we're going to be today as we continue our series of unknowing God. So just for a little context, for those of us who, 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 um, who are just joining us, we're so glad that you're, you're with us today. Um, Acts chapter 17 finds Paul and Silas in Athens. And Athens, obviously we all know, ancient Greece was known for philosophy. They were at the intellectual height of that time and philosophy was a big deal. Paul and Silas, who are coming to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, are traveling, and they find themselves coming to these places of affluence. So they come to Athens, and what they notice is there are a whole lot of idols all over the place, right? So they have a shrine for this God, and an idol for this God, and an idol for this God. And the Bible says that Paul gets really grieved when he walks through there, because he says, I notice you all are very religious in every way. Like you guys are gathering together and talking about all these philosophies and all these things. But one thing I do notice is that you have a shrine over here that says it's dedicated to an unknown God or the unknown God, right? So Paul's perspective is like, okay, hold on. You got shrines, you got all these little things that, that are dedicated to this God. But let me tell you about the God that you guys don't know or the God that you're seeking to find in all your searching with these other idols. So Paul begins to have this very, very intellectual conversation in this particular chapter. So how Paul brings the whole idea of the unknown God to the understanding of these people is he actually starts by drawing their attention to how big God is. He draws their attention to the origin of God. So he starts in verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Now we're going to go to verse 25 where it says, and he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Okay. So today we wanted to talk about the self-sufficient God. In the context of unknowing God, we have to correctly identify what God wants us to know about him. Now, there are basics that God wants us to know about him 
that I think we are, by God's grace, seeking to cover. Number one, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He wants us to know that he is the chief architect of everything that we see, seen and unseen. He wants us to know that it's not just about earth. He wants us to know that he created the galaxies. He wants us to know how big he, he wants us to remember that there's no way for us to get to the bottom, bottom of the ocean on the planet that we live on. He, he wants us to know that everything that we have made has become possible from what he originally made. Today, God wants us to understand that he doesn't necessarily need anything from us. Sobering. Sobering. God doesn't need anything from us. That's what the verse says right there. He's not served by human hands. Now, I know that messes up with a lot of our theology because a lot of times we live and our idea is to please God. But the context of our thinking that is that we need to please God because he needs us to please him. Or we worship God because he needs our worship. Or we live for God because he needs something from us, that he's served by our hands, that, that there's something that we can give God in our humanity that would make him more whole than he already is. How many times have we like prayed, right? We prayed and we uh, trusted and, and believed and did good deeds and, and, and thought that we were actually doing something that would make God better, that, that would help God out in some way, shape or form. God wants us to know first and foremost that he is self-sufficient. You think about that, that puts us in our place, right, right there, that I got this, I don't need you. Okay? I, 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 don't, I don't need you. So if God doesn't need us, God is self-sufficient, then why did he create us? Why did God go through so much trouble, in quotes, because he spoke and everything was, so that doesn't seem like it's a lot of trouble. But why would God go to such extents to make himself known to us, to redeem us, to be involved in our lives if he doesn't need us? God is not lonely. He never was lonely. God is the epitome of perfection. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. How, how much more powerful is that? Like, we can't necessarily say that fully in our humanity to any other human being. When we say, I don't need somebody, we still need another human in another, in another context. You may not need that particular person, but you need somebody like that person. So this is humility that God is calling us to, even as we approach him and as we conceptualize him and as we seek to understand him and get to know him better by unknowing parts that we have created, the images that we have created about God that make us that don't hold up in life's problems. The images that we created of God that don't help us when we need help, that cause us to doubt and, and, and fear and all that. So if there's any of those in our lives, which we all have, that means we all are subject to reevaluating ourselves and saying, am I serving the God of creation? Or am I serving the God that I have created. So there's a couple points that God wants us to know today. Um, and it's this concept of uh, 
being and becoming, right? And I'm going to try to go through this a, a little bit here um, just to kind of help us to see where God is compared to us, right? So when we say God is, that indicates um, a, a characteristic of God that we could never be, okay? When we say we are something, that is based on where we are and the circumstances that we're in at that point. Let's use, a, for instance, there was a point where we could say we are a child. But that doesn't really last because in a few years, then that are, that presentness of us changes to a teenager. So there's a period of time when we say we are a teenager. But then that doesn't last because there we go again. Now we say we are a young adult. So in a sense, there is this isness that we could never fully achieve because we are changing all the time. So when you think about um, this idea of becoming, this idea of becoming is all we have the capacity to be perpetually. We are always becoming something, becoming older. There was this, um, I heard this, uh, this quote, of this philosopher that said, you can't, you can't put two feet in the same river. It's impossible to put two feet in the same river. And the idea of that was, if I take one foot, if a river is moving and constantly flowing, if I put one foot in the river, by the time I get my other foot in, the, in that same river, the river has already changed. This whole concept of becoming means that we are always changing and there are always variables that are changing us. In contrast to God, God is. There is no changing in God. There's no weaknesses. There's no flaws. There's no, nothing he can learn, nothing he can be taught. There is nothing in our strength that we can give God to make God better. There's no amount of praise or service or whatever that we can give God to make God feel more fulfilled in himself because he is. He told Moses, Exodus 3.14, when Moses was like, okay, well, how am I going to introduce you to these people? Like, what, what, what is your name? What should I tell them to call you? Because we're going to go, we're going to Egypt where all these gods are, similar to in, in, in the book of uh, Acts where we are. Is all these gods and all these conceptions of God. What makes you different? What is your name? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And it is I am that sent you to these people. Think about how crazy that is. Like the presentness of God is always present. The eternity of God is always present. The ancientness of God is always present. What God knows is always present to us. So we're changing, but God is not. The Bible says also in Psalm 90 and 2, he said, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are 
God. Now, when we see are in that context, that is talking about the isness of God. And I know isness ain't a word, right? But it's the constantness. The constantness of God. Perfect. Think about that. So, so now, now let's let's humble ourselves for a second, right? Let's think about this, right? What can I do to please a God like that in my own finite ability? Let's be real. Let's let's be real. Do you think you you think us living this life and pleasing God and our definition of pleasing God is the same way that we get pleased as human beings? No wonder God is so secure in himself. No wonder God can sit on the throne and be who he is because there's no variable of, there's no shadows. There's no, it, God is God. That even beyond creating the world, he was everlasting past. He wants us to understand that before anything that was made was made, he is. Because God never was, he always is. So I know this is like, when you start thinking about it, it really, it really makes you feel like, crazy a little bit, like, like small, like it's unbelievable, but it's that unbelievable aspect of thinking that caused us to worship God properly. It's that unfamiliar, scary, like, oh my goodness. The other day we were in the store yesterday. and yesterday, yeah, we were in the <clears> store <throat> yesterday, just doing some like supermarket stuff. And I was looking around and I, I just, I just sometimes say what's on my mind, right? It just be, it just be random. It's lasting me sometimes. It, it, it's random. So I'm looking around and I'm seeing all these different types of people. I'm seeing all nationalities in this, in this um, store. And I'm like, have you ever thought about how many people are actually on this planet? Like everywhere you go, there's going to be people. And they're going to be different people. And then she said, Rachel said, well, and they, they're also going to have families. Like, they're going to have their own. You think about that and how many people, every country, you ever look at a map and just see all the countries that there are and everything that, that, that's there. It, it, it almost makes you like, like it's like, this is, this is crazy. And then when you try to look at God in the context of how big our world is and then understand how small our world is compared to the universe, it's like, okay, like this is, this is. Right, because I, I said, what I said was in, in response to that was, it's hard in my human mind to comprehend mm -hmm. a God even being able to keep track yeah. of all these people. Yeah. You have all these people that have their own circle and sphere of influence, their own you know, connections. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> How on earth can someone possibly get, and this is just one planet right. in one universe, yeah. in one galaxy, and we have multiple galaxies? Yeah. It's unbelievable. The, the notion from a human standpoint of a God that can be that big yet come down and identify or communicate with someone as small as me, mm -hmm. it doesn't humanly make sense. Mm -hmm. And it's very far-fetched if, mm -hmm. if you approach it with your human minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And see, I think a lot of people... And that's when you said... Yeah, what I say? Because God is not human. That's right. He's outside. That's right. So you know, that's what I was getting to. So it's like, we're thinking about this and we're like, okay, yeah, that is, that is crazy. But you said, how on earth? Well, that's exactly what the problem is. Right. This is not about earth. This is about the God of creation that desires to make himself known to little old you, not because he needs you, 
but because he wants you. Mm. That's the beauty of Christianity. That's the beauty of this life of getting to know God and, and unknowing those things that, you know, if I did this, then I'm going to please God and he's going to feel happier. He, he's going to, what I'm doing is going to make God feel better about himself because he made a good creation. He already knew it was good. When he first made everything, he said, it is, it is good. Then when he made us, he said, it is very good. That was before we did anything to earn anything. Mm. The fact that God is involved in his creation makes it very good. The fact that God is involved and wants to be involved in your life makes it very good. That God wanted to bestow his glory and his, 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 his grandeur. He wanted us to be able to look, like the video said, he wanted us to be able to look out on the sea and be like, oh my goodness. He wants us to be able to go on vacation to these islands and be blown away. He wants us to be able to stumble upon inexplainable animals and why they do what they do. Because all of this shows us and should make us question, if God can do this, what must he really be like? And unfortunately, as we grow and as we get accustomed to God and accustomed to church and accustomed to religion and accustomed to all this, it's easy for us to lose sight of the awe of God that causes us to really appreciate how involved God actually is in our lives. How many of you woke up this morning and checked your heart rate? You checked your pulse this morning. No, no, you didn't do it. You didn't go and get an EKG and see if your heart is doing good. No, it just works. But by the grace of God, these things, God is involved in that process in your body every day. And how many times do we just miss it because we're consumed by everything else? And then how many times are we worrying irrationally? Yeah, you might have a real problem. That's true. Yeah. But you put that problem against the one who spoke and everything came into existence. And not just everything came into existence, but everything that keeps it going also came into existence with it so that it would never fail because he can't. So this, this world here is a picture to us. And everything that we see is a picture of God's unbelievable faithfulness. And not only his faithfulness, but his ability to uphold and be responsible and accountable to what he made. Not because we can repay him, but because he wanted it. But because he wanted us. 1 Timothy 6.16 says, God alone, he alone possesses immortality. So that means God can't die. God possesses immortality, absolute exemption from death, and lives in unapproachable light, whom man has never seen or can see. And because of that, to him, honor and eternal power and dominion belongs. So this, this, this week, we're talking about our posture towards the God of creation and the fact that you can't do anything to make God better. He, he, he doesn't need that from us. He, he doesn't need us to think that we have the ability in our own strength to do anything that's going to make him more God. But this also should humble us in the fact that the self-sufficient God, the God who I don't understand, that God wants a relationship with me. And he made it possible for that to happen. I think we need to appreciate the one-sidedness of God in, this, in the fact that he has initiated this whole thing. 
he has initiated this whole thing and he initiated it so that he can be made known to little old me. We started out by saying he knows my name. What? He has the numbers of hairs on my head numbered. Not like, you know, you have 5,000. No, he has them numbered. That's hair number one on his eyebrow. That's hair number two on his ear. That's hair number three in his nose. That's hair number four on his behind his back. That's hair number, he has us numbered like that. Like God, that's how amazingly involved and concerned God is about each and every one of us. He does not need us. He wants us. We ever think about it like that, that God wants you. You'll serve God better when you believe he wants you. It's not about obligation. When you understand how awesome God is, you understand how amazing he is, you understand the extent of his love, you'll want to serve someone like that. You'll want to live someone like that. You will be compelled. What can I do? Think about us in our own human relationships. When we're blessed with something or someone just gives us something or just does something for us out of the goodness of their heart. There's a part of you that longs to appreciate that person and let them know that you appreciate it. Especially when it's something that you cannot ever repay. You will honor that person. And maybe you not honor them publicly and all that, but you'll honor them in your heart. If someone says something funny about them, it's going to feel weird to you. You're not going to just let that fly because you understand that you were given something and blessed by something. That person showed you a part of themselves. They sacrificed. They gave you something that you would not have been able to get on your own. And you are, your appreciation of that causes your lifestyle, your mindset, the internal aspect of you to honor that individual. Hmm. And if we can do that to humans... This is what God is saying. I have given you this glorious world to enjoy. Not only that, I have given you a life to enjoy it. Not only that, it is self-sustaining because I'm self-sustaining. So you're not going to have to ever worry about it falling apart. The things that are in your life, that, like God is intricately involved. And that is a demonstration of his amazing love and desire to be known by us. But he doesn't want to be known by us the way we want to know him. He wants to be known by us the way he wants to be known. And that's what this series is about. Knowing God, getting to know God as he desires to be known. Not getting to know God based on what we thought, what we grew up hearing, all the cliches, all these things that don't hold up when we have real problems. We are serving the God of heaven and earth, the God who sits on the circle of the universe and the earth is his footstool. Can you imagine that? God resting his feet on our planet. God being outside of the universe as we know it. The God that spoke and everything came into being and stays that way. This is the God that wants to have a relationship with us. And someone said, religion is man's search for God, but Christianity is God's search for man. I love it. And that's exactly why our posture towards God is the most attacked thing in this realm. What you think about God is how your life will go. How you see God, your perception of God, your understanding of God, your conception of God, 
God is that important, whether you realize it or not, that your mindset and conception of God will dictate your life. I'm challenging us to not leave something that important, something that critical to our existence, up to just a whim, up to just some chance. I think it's safer for us to respect God as Lord of heaven and earth. God that is not made, that's not housed in man-made temples. That God that is not subject to one church. I think we would feel safer under the context of a God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the world. And we're going to get into that a little further down, but we're leading there. But the, 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 the God that we tend to box in is not big enough to help us when it matters. It is only the God that is outside of our situation, God that is outside of the universe, God is that is concerned, that knows the past from the present, that knows the future, that knows our future, that knows us intimately. He's the God that's equipped to really help us in our time of need. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. We have no idea what we need. We don't even know how we, we don't even know how we feel at the time. How you doing today? How you feel? I don't know. I just feel something. <laughs> we can't even explain how we feel. But an eternal God who knows our thoughts are far off, where language can't meet, God knows. Mm. You can't teach God anything new. Our words are limited, but He spoke. Just think about that. Oh my goodness, what were, what did that sound like when He spoke and created the world? It's amazing, and I'm praying that my passion and uh, the fervence that we are sharing in this series, if anything, is making us back up from our conception of God and really look up and say, you know what? God, you're too big for me. Once we get there, then we're going to get to know God. Mm. Once we back up and say, hold on a second, I don't know. This is crazy. And you've got the wow face. That's the posture that God is worthy of. And then that God wants me, like he doesn't need me, he wants me. What a God. What an amazing God. Second thing, and it's only two things, don't get nervous, it's okay. <laughs> two things, second thing, we're gonna be on time today. Uh, second thing is God can't change. So not only is he eternally existent, but he's also eternally constant. He cannot change. God can't change. People change. We change. We like this color one time. We don't like this color another time. Y'all that have been here and understand what I'm saying. If your color was favorite color was blue at one time, and all of a sudden you change it to pink because you feel like it. Then you digress. That, yes. <laughs> that's what happens. They change it up on you. God doesn't change. Think about that. Think about that even when it comes to, you know, we have, sometimes we have our moods, right? We have moods. Like I, I have moods. We have moods. So I'm not talking about you. <laughs> we have moods, right? We, we have moods. Like someday, I'm, I'm not with it right now. I, I just, I'm not with it right now. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to you yesterday and we was laughing and joking and it was all cool and everything. And then, you know, something happened overnight and it might be justified. It might be, you know, whatever, but you're not the same person today that I talked to yesterday. God doesn't change. God is the same God you prayed to when you was three. 
And he's the same God that you're praying to now. And he's going to be the same God that you prayed to when you're 80 years old. He's the same God. He does not change. There's a consistency and faithfulness in God that all of us can rely on, but we can't rely on anything else. Everything else in this world and us and everything is changing, but God doesn't. Think about the security that gives us. Mm. That's what God wants us to know about him. Mm. You get flaky on me, but I'm still here. And because I don't need you, my feelings ain't hurt when you flaky. Because I know that you need me, but I don't need you. <laughs> now, come on. Now, that's, that, think about that. Now, that, that don't feel necessarily feel good to like, wait, hold on, God. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, that's the posture that you need to have at the end of the day. Thank God he don't need me. Imagine if God's godness was predicated yeah. on my faithfulness. Yeah. All right, you know what? You ain't talk to me today, so it's not going to rain then. Fine. Fine. It's not going to rain. They, they don't want to pray. They don't want to come to me. They want to do all that. Fine. You know what? Because I, I need them to pray to me. So that I need them to worship me to make me feel like I'm God. So if they don't worship me, everybody's going to starve. Here comes the drought. Here comes the tsunami. Here comes all this other stuff. No, the, the evil in this world is not God doing that. That's just sin in the world. God doesn't change, and he's very secure in himself. So at the end of the day, our disposition towards God does not make God any less God than he is. He does not change. But he wants a relationship with you. Oh, my goodness. Can, can, I mean, I, I'm praying that y'all can feel this right now because it's like, God, we, if we worship God from that posture and we worship God from that point of view, our life will go to another level of appreciation and gratitude for everything that we have. We'd be able to thank God for the stuff that was bad that he allowed to happen because we know in his sovereignty, he's working something else out down the road that we would never know. God doesn't change. God is, which means he is self-sufficient. So what, what, does, what does Paul say to these, to these people here? He, he says, he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives life and breath and everything else. Notice the posture of God. God gives. Right? God is not up there. Praise me, praise me, praise me, praise me, praise me, praise me. Worship me, worship me, worship me, worship me, worship me. That's not the posture of God. According to this text, that's not the posture of God. Praise and worship is a byproduct of our understanding the revelation of how big God really is. It's a natural response. And if we have an idea of who God is, it's going, wow, that's praise. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. Wow, God. That's worship. Wow, God is worship. And allowing that wow of God to change your life and cause you to live in a lifestyle of honoring God is a lifestyle of worship. Now, because we have free will, we can control based on our pride and based on our conception of God, whether we're going to give God what is due him. If we are arrogant enough to think that it's us 
and anything that I'm doing is making God better, then you're going to withhold what God is due. But it's not like naturally. You're, you're, the Bible says my soul knows that I'm fearfully and marvelously made. The inner being of God inside of all of us knows he's great. Knows God is amazing. So there's, there's this unknowing that we have to do in ourselves to cause what our soul knows to get in line with what our senses experience. So I pray that as we are serving God and as we are going along in this series and even on our walk with the Lord, that we respect the fact that God doesn't need us. He is fully self-sufficient, but he wants us. And he wants us so bad that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the world to make it possible for us to have eternal communion with him, both here and in the life to come. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day. We thank you for what our hearts have felt, what our eyes have seen, what our ears have heard. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to get to know you better by unknowing you. And we are in this series being challenged, being, being pushed, being inspired about all that is you. But I pray, Lord, that even today, as we talked about the fact that you are self-sufficient, you are self-existent, that you don't need anything from us to make you more God. Help us to respect that. But help us also to have another level of appreciation for the fact that you want us, that you know us, that you want us, and you made it possible through your son, Jesus Christ, for us to have a real relationship with you. But this is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, nine through 10 says, that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, Welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the Lifehouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.